This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, including my favourite, the Quarter Pounder with cheese. Mm. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Delivery. so the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get reward points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello everybody and welcome to episode 99 of Stacey West Podcast. Uh, I'm Ben as ever. Gary's with me. Are you all right? I know the answer is already. Yeah, no, I, I wasn't until you reminded me that it's 99 and we've got episode 100 coming up and there's an awful lot of work I've got to go into that before we do it. <laughs> yeah, um, it's, uh, it's going to be a fun one, I think. Um, we're hopefully live on Thursday next week. I'm sure we'll finalise the details. Uh, at some point over the weekend but um yeah a uh, bit of uh bit of stuff to to talk about obviously past week um first up sorry we're, we're a little bit late unfortunately um you know, you know my, my esteemed co-host was a bit uh, a bit ill yesterday weren't you? i thought we were hanging on for transfer deadline day well Didn't i think mean it was anything to do with the fact that i went to bed at three o'clock in the afternoon <laughs> <laughs> let's uh, let's say then that it was to do with transfer deadline day and that's exactly yeah. why yeah cool okay exactly we just wanted to make sure we weren't late with any news <laughs> absolutely yeah nobody knows anything about that so shh. And, um, and then the irony was of course that i mean sometimes the business that then uh, can do um tends to be quite quick and so you know i'll get an email five minutes before and an apology which they don't need to apologize because they don't need to copy me in at all but you know sorry it's short notice and then i'll prepare an article and yesterday i was kind of i was laid in bed and it was quarter past four and my phone went it was terry messaging me saying check your emails giving me kind of 45 minutes it's just like oh god i'm really sitting with it that's <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah i mean let's let's um let's briefly go over bristol because you know we've, we've got to but obviously we're aware at this point it's basically a week out um it, it was kind of the game where nobody, it, it didn't seem to click. It didn't seem to gel. Nobody really, I don't want to say nobody showed up because that's a bit harsh, but you know, it, it wasn't the best performance, was it? And uh, obviously with, you know, with the red card thrown into the mix as well, it, it was, it was one of those days, I think, wasn't it? I don't think it was that bad. 
Um, we lost the game and it was disappointing. But when you think of the the chance that Harry had in the first half where we could have gone ahead, we mm. should have had a penalty through Conor McGrandall's yeah. being fouled. You know, we could be 2-0 up at half time. And then in a, a, the first half was very much the same as, as Charlton and Oxford and MK Dons. And the problem was we came out in the second half um, conceded, uh, scored, and at that point, you know, I, I thought we'd go on and win the game, and then unfortunately, their goal kind of knocked the stuffing out of us. Yeah. Um, but it, I, I don't, you know, there was one or two performances that weren't great. Um, when you look on uh, the Stacey West player rater, uh, I think it's Adam Jackson and Teo Eden both got really bad marks. Um, well, I'll say bad fours, four point something. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, as as was saying in a conversation with uh, with Pete, which I say an awful lot at the moment. Um, but as I was saying, as a conversation with Pete earlier this week, that you know, you start on a six, usually, and and anything mm-hmm. over a six, you've done something to impact the game one way or another. And anything under the six, you've you've been below par. And in actual fact, I think there was only a handful of players that were even under six. Um, we weren't woeful. Uh, there's one or two people on Facebook who like to or on social media who like to use. Uh, over exuberant words um to describe <laughs> games and you know things People like dramatizing things on social media that, i know shock horror um <laughs> but no i don't think we were that bad I, I i really don't i think it was just you know there was some naivety in the performance there was some stray balls mm. um and it's easy people are looking for a scapegoat i actually didn't think teo played badly up until about 50 minutes and then after that yeah i think he went a bit astray but yeah, I, th- I think that's the thing. Like, in, it was mainly the second half where, like you said, we we scored quite quickly after the restart, and then they basically came out straight away and, and went over the other end and got the equaliser. And it it was kind of that. It was that moment where you think, ah, oh, this probably isn't going to be our day. And then at that point, the heads just seemed to drop a little bit. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was Teo's second half performance really that that I would have probably put him on about that marks wise, um, which is odd because apparently games reviewers always skew things higher um, because we're all corrupt apparently. But, you know, it's, it's a difficult, difficult situation um, when you go down, you know, you, you go two one down. And unfortunately um, it, it didn't seem like we were going to get the goal back that we needed, um, particularly, you know, after, um, after Adam's uh, red card, but it's because they went to five at the back. Let's not yes, forget that. Yes, yeah, they basically you know. packed out the. They just packed everything behind it, you know, behind the ball, didn't they? And just made sure that we couldn't get through. And it was ultimately, you know, yeah, when you're down to ten, it's it's hard to to go up against that many people in the, in the defensive line. So, hmm, yeah, it's one that I think they'll learn from. I hope they'll learn from and uh, put it behind us. Um, but there's some uh, some interesting news this week coming out of the club. We've got a couple of well, a couple of players leaving and uh, we've got one very exciting prospect coming, haven't we, Gaz? You know, I, I feel like I'm being an arsehole today, um, but very exciting on paper. And I, I said in an article earlier today, football fans, and again, this is social media, it's easy to get caught up in a snowball. Robbie Gotts looks like a great signing, so I'm not going to be an arsehole. Yeah, very exciting. I can understand that. <laughs> but we're not in a position where we can say very exciting based on previous performances but if we were I would be saying that you can't judge anyone on what they've done previously uh, and if we were coming in and it was flat and we were saying well he hasn't done that brilliantly I'd be saying well you know one man's trash is another man's treasure so I'd be an arsehole under every situation if well, I wouldn't expect like anything on. less <laughs> yeah I mean I think there's there's quite a lot of excitement from Leeds uh, that Gotts is coming out and getting first team action I think it is 
easy to get carried away with a young player. And I think you, you can see evidence of that in something else that we're going to talk about where the boot's on the other foot. Mm-hmm. It's easy to see one of your young stars who's come through and going, he's going to tear up League One when you're not in League One and you haven't been in League One for a while and you don't know what the standard League One's like. And that's what their fans are doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what's exciting about it, so yes, you kind of correct in this instance, is the number of other people that have been linked with him, predominantly yeah. by Alan Nixon, who basically just wakes up with a dart, throws it in the <laughs> dartboard with the 72 teams on it. It's like, and I know because I feed off Alan Nixon's randomness because, you know, as soon as he, Alan Nixon puts the word Sunderland in a tweet, there's a klaxon that goes off in my house, um, <laughs> like the bat signal. And I'm straight down to the real AFL knowing there's 3000 views out of it. Sunderland's <laughs> linked with player and they inevitably if you were to search the real AFL, probably sign 2% of the players Nixon links them with. Um, I, so I, I, just, was, I just want to say before you go on with that, I'm, I'm, I'm very proud that I held my tongue and didn't say that, is it called the twat signal? <laughs> the thing is, you I, did I, say it. So yeah, I know, I, I know. But I, I wouldn't want to know what it projects onto the uh, the wall or the clouds at that point, to be honest with you. But uh, anyway, continue. Looks <laughs> like a kebab. You've let yourself down. <laughs> you've let the podcast down. And most of all, Ben, you've let me down. Um, but yes, the twat signal went off. Alan Nixon linked uh, Robbie Gotts with, and I shit you not, Hull, Huddersfield, Charlton, Doncaster, Sunderland, Swindon, and us. At various points. Oh, and did I say Huddersfield? No, you didn't, but yeah. Huddersfield. (laughs) Um, But the interesting thing is that we're in that kind of collection of clubs, which Mm. you bar probably Swindon, but they're in that collection of clubs that are the upper, expected to be in the upper half of, of League One. So that does suggest, you know, Robbie Gotts wasn't linked with Southend, Gillingham, Colchester, Plymouth, those sorts of teams. So it's interesting in that respect. Um, I put quite a lot of emphasis on his flexibility because I felt that him coming in was going to be right back position. uh, And and we would then see one of at least one of Aaron Lewis or Alex Bradley go out on loan. That hasn't happened. Um, and I, or certainly we have, I haven't seen anything coming into recording at at quarter six on Friday. So that's really interesting, I think as well. Mm. I mean, I think that the thing for me is, you know, obviously, like you say, we, we don't know, we don't know what he's like as a player. I've certainly not seen him, you know, in uh, well in any games. But it's like you say, it's it, that that level of club that he's been linked with. Um, it's that's the bit that to me says this is something to probably sit up and take notice of. And obviously, I, I mean, it happens with every manager that we get, you know, or with every uh, every manager when a, a young player goes somewhere, you've got a quote from their current manager saying what a prospect they are and, you know, all the potential that they've got. And I think, what was it Bielsa said about him? Uh, it was the most, uh, I've never seen a player with such a dynamic. He's a player with skills. So it sounds, yeah, it, I mean, obviously he said that through his interpreter, but it's, it sounds like he's going to be um, a player that's probably going to try and get us off our seats or sofas or wherever we're, going to be in you know days and weeks coming forward um is he going to play though well i don't know and that's that's you know that's that's why i'm not a football manager gary um i'd football pundit ben come on you're meant to it's like i can weigh in there if you'd like me to go on then yeah i'll throw throw you the life raft you've set Um, yourself up so you might as well (laughs) yeah i'll get it wrong anyway yes i thought he was going to play right back so what do i know um I, I, to be honest, I don't know. That's the thing. Um, but it's you know, 
really, they're going to want him to be playing in the midfield if he's an eight. Um, if we stick into the 4-3-3, then that spells potentially problems for either Jones or McGrandles in terms of regular first-team football. My gut feeling would be McGrandles oh. um, because he's been the player that's been taken off, I think, most uh, in the latter stages of games. He was taken off this weekend uh, against Bristol Rovers, and that actually probably led to him getting man of the match um, because you know the, the other players were struggling in the last 10, 15 minutes. And I think, as we saw with Teo, he, he had a bad second half, and that reflects on his overall uh points score um so potentially Gotts is going to play in McGrandles or the Jones role he's certainly not come here to sit on the bench but I said that mm. about Connor Coventry last season and Connor Coventry was kind of in and out as well mm. um, I can see Gotts McGrandles and Jones rotating on a match-by-match basis um which will infuriate the never change a winning team um posse on social media um but you know I think he'll had some legs and some energy. I think Michael probably uh, looked at the game on Saturday and realised that we do need something else when it comes to unpicking defences. But it's quite exciting when you also, you know, let's not forget Brennan Johnson, because it's easy to look at the Bristol game and say we lack creativity, but Brennan Johnson wasn't in the side and he's looked really exciting um, for a while. I think with, with Theo Archibald out wide as well, we've got so many exciting options. I still do have a little concern over the fullback roles. Um, particularly going into this weekend's game, which I'll I'll kind of touch upon um, a little bit later on. So but it'll be interesting where uh, where Robbie Gotts fits in. Um, what I really liked was his videos um, that the so that they, the club put on social media because he was he's very kind of e bargum <laughs> get that heating turned down and all that sort of thing. And you know proper proper Yorkshire. Hey, I'm reach off to be here. <laughs> Never um, do accents again, Gary. Why? Um, <laughs> all my accents end up, they start relatively good and end up Indian. And the only the only one that I can actually do that my partner thinks is good is my Donald Trump. <laughs> okay. That's the only one. Yeah, it's just a nasty question. That's nasty. We're not <laughs> anyway, carry on. Oh, dear. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's um, like I said, it's the, it, it's that kind of headline of, you know, Lincoln have got a, a young, exciting um, Premier League midfielder that's come to them. It's like that. That's obviously the headline for for Robbie Gotts arriving. But uh, it's a real AFL headline because it's got Premier League and Leeds in it, so it'll get loads of clicks. There you go. You see the, the twat <laughs> signals going off. Hang on a minute. <laughs> like, I have a reset here at the end of transfer deadline day. Someone said Leeds and transfer. Let me press it. Um, no, yeah, you, you're quite right. And and the, I did notice some feedback from Leeds fans today who said go away and then come back ready for first team football. So they were considering him as on the cusp of their championship squad last season. I think he was on the bench 39 times, mm-hmm. um, didn't get off the bench an awful lot. Uh, but, you know, if you're at the top and you're fighting for a title, you only have to remember, well, we were doing it. Ellis wasn't really involved because... Um, one because he went out on loan, um, but you know because you you don't want to kind of put a young player in that position to then cost a game and have that weighing on their shoulders. So it's probably the reason Robbie didn't get more football at Leeds. Yeah, no, absolutely. So um, I mean you've set that up quite nicely. Um, on purpose. There you go. You see. Uh, so we've obviously got um, the news uh, yesterday as we record um thursday for for those listening um that uh, ellis as uh, ellis chapman's left the club um it, it's one that uh, i think we sort of we sort of saw coming um 
given I think the news a while ago that uh, he was possibly um, well he was looking at other options and you know that I think there was a contract offer on the table um, and I think there was a quote from Liam at some point that said that if um, you know if nothing could be worked out then it would have to go to a tribunal and all the rest of it but um, yeah Ellis Chapman has, has left the club gone to Cheltenham um, and I think it's probably a good move um, it, it, not I don't want to sort of preempt it and say oh it's terrible for the club and all the rest of it but obviously you know it's it's a difficult one to not process as such but like the fact that he's going to a league two club it's obviously a step down for him as you, you know some people would potentially see it but you've got to remember that he was out on loan in the national league um and you know, while while we were in, you know, we're starting to move up to into League One and, and while we were in League One, you know, so it's it's one of those that's it's disappointing from one angle, but would he have fit into a Michael Appleton side? Obviously not. So, I mean, you, you, your thoughts on on Ellis, Gaz? Yeah, you're right. I mean, he, he was actually out on loan in the National League when we were in League Two. Mm. Um, rather than League One. But you're quite right. I don't think it's a step down for Ellis because I don't think he established himself as a League One footballer last season. Um, and, you know, the, there are two really distinct camps with Ellis. There mm. are the uh, everybody's overrating him because he was Danny's darling and his, you know, his dad is connected to the club and will speak on social media. There's that group. And then there's the other group that kind of think, well, Ellis was a potential. He could quite easily become a League One player at some point, and he's a big loss. Um, and I'm I'm kind of going to sit a little bit in the middle, kind of, let's just say, left of centre. I haven't quite got splinters on my bum, but they're, they're, <laughs> if I slip, they're on my lower back. Because I think you're quite right in that you say he wasn't quite a Michael Appleton player, um, which is odd because he was young, uh, he had time to develop, but obviously... I think what had preceded Michael arriving at the club didn't help. So I think having Ellis built up and built up, but never actually played. Mm. And that that is what happened under Danny, let's be honest. And I, I'm not a, a, a Danny Cowley knocker, but Ellis was built up an awful lot and didn't get a lot of game time. Um, and I think that probably affected the player a little bit because then he went away, played 17 times for Chesterfield. He's got the senior football. Then he comes back and bang, he's on the fringes again. Not mm. good. Michael comes in and I think there was a big hope that, you know, Ellis is young. Michael likes young players. Two and two plus four. Let's go. Um, and in actual fact, it didn't because Michael does like his young players. But he brought players in from um, West Ham, for instance, in Connor Coventry mm-hmm. and played him over Ellis. Now, I think had obviously had Ellis penned his deal in January, he would be part of the squad now. Would he be in the first team? Probably not. But he'd be part of the first team. He'd be part of the squad. Um, then not signing that deal, I think, kind of has left him with. Um, it, it, it's kind of led to what I would call a mutually amicable split, mm. where, as you know, he needs football, he doesn't feel loved at the club. Michael would have kept him, but at the same time, wouldn't have played him regularly. And, you know, it, it's kind of a, it, it's been a drawn out breakup. You know, we might be on trial here, he might be going somewhere there. Um, mm. But, you know, as things go, it is what it is. He's going to go to Ch- Cheltenham. They've they've stretched for him. Uh, I was reading a report from, from Cheltenham that they have, um, their board have had to sanction this with a view to players going out on loan. So they've pushed to bring Ellis in quite late on. Mm, okay. 
I think you'll do well. And we've got a vested interest in any future transfer fee. So mm. it sounds to me like the deal that we've done for Ellis with Cheltenham was very, very similar to the deal that we did with Nottingham Forest for George Grant. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's probably, yeah, that's, that's probably spot on. I just think it's, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I can't, you know, you can't really wish anything other than the best for Ellis. I think he's, um, as a, as a lad that's, you know, come up through, through the system, you know, at the club, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to detach that, you know, local boy done good kind of story um, away from it all. But obviously, you know, we, we wish him the best for, for the future and um, hopefully he has a really good career out of it. Um, so uh, today we obviously had some more news um, about two more players, which was Jordan Adebayo-Smith and we've also had Ben Coker leaving the club. Now, um, I I said on Twitter that I think Coker was probably the right move at the very, well, at the wrong time. Um, he obviously came and it was it was kind of described as a bit of a project because he was a, a player that I think was still he still had an injury at the time. Um, so it, I think, you know, he was obviously brought in under Danny to with a view of him becoming part of the first team. And then obviously Danny left and Cokes was sort of up in the air. And, you know, what are we going to do with him? And then he, he would not fit into a Michael Appleton side. I think that's probably fair to say. Um, but by all accounts, you know, he's done, he, he was doing the right things. He was keeping himself fit. He was training. I mean, um, we actually, I've actually seen him quite a few times on the, the field that's near my house. Cause he, you know, come at the, some of the players come down and train there. Um, I saw him leaving the, there a few times and it was quite late on in the evening. So he's obviously, he was obviously very serious about, you know, keeping his fitness up and, and getting, and trying to fight for a first team opportunity, but um, unfortunately, it's not worked out, and his loan deal's now been made permanent. So, um, yeah, that's it's not a surprise, really, is it? No, I mean, he was always going to leave the club at the end of the year anyway. Mm. Uh, just didn't fit him and Michael. Just did not fit one little bit. I don't think he was a Michael Appleton type of player um, as much as we would like him to have been. I think he played less football for us than Alan Sheehan did um, mm. which you know Sheehan was probably with us for about a week and a half or something yeah. so yeah, um, yeah. I, I, yeah I think I think with Ben what you got was a player whose injury will define his future career um, mm. and I think to a degree you can look at players like John Akindi as well who was one player before the injury and then a different player when they came back and when you look at the top end of football you know there's there's, there's always examples of it Torres is a classic example for instance um, so I think that was the case I think you know I would like to have seen him more last year, but I just don't. I think him and Michael Appleton were just chalk and cheese. And I don't think that's a reflection on his ability at all. I just think, yeah, as far as I was concerned, really, Ben Coker left the club in the summer. Mm. I didn't ever expect to see him back in a Lincoln shirt. So I was actually quite surprised when the news broke earlier today, yeah, because obviously Michael was talking about outgoings. I was quite surprised that that was one of the outgoings. Um, mm. I wonder if it was as much fueled by the fact that Stevenage, if they sign him permanently, could then make another loan signing and add it to their matchday squad. Um, because I, I can't think that there would be major financial implications for us uh, unless we were subsidising his wages, which I, I can't see. But I, again, I, I don't really know the situation, so it'd be hard to to pass meaningful comment. Yeah, and it's um, I, I think that the, the thing for me is that the the uh, the, the infamous thing with Ben Coker will always be the way that he was revealed. Um, that I think that is still just priceless social media gold. 
um, thanks to Harry Anderson and his uh, his come dine with me party. I love um, Harry. Yeah, I love Harry. I did. I, funnily enough, I interviewed Harry um, that day, and I, I can't remember whether I said this on the pod or not. But on that day, he was buying. I rang him, and he was in Tesco's, which, funnily enough, he was doing this week when I rang him as well. Um, <laughs> but he was in Tesco's buying the bits for come dine with me, and I kind of said, "Oh, who does you come dine with me then?" And he's, uh, he's oh, yeah, Jack Payne does it. Ben Coker, and I'm thinking, Ben Coker, <laughs> play for us. And then he went, "Oh no, not him. Uh, Tom Pett." <laughs> it was just like. Nice one, Harry. Nice one. I love but, um, yeah, he's a, he's a great guy. And then I ballsed up with Harry this week, so the the the, the shoe was on the other foot. Yeah, and then you fucking ripped into me on social media, didn't you, git? No, I didn't rip into you. Somebody else did. I joined in. There's a difference. Yeah, you joined in. That's, you know. Yeah, I didn't rip in. I I I let it pass. <laughs> Uh, I felt like yeah. such a mug though when I said, "Oh, there'll be 159 appearances," and he went, "No, I'm on 175." Oh yeah, brilliant. That's made me look like a right bellend. <laughs> but uh, I mean, it's always, you know, it's always good to see. But the the one that surprised. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I think the one that surprised me a little bit this week was Jordan. Um, I think there's there's almost been like this air of secrecy around around Jordan and what he's doing um, or, you know, an air of sort of an uncomfortable silence, I think is probably another way of looking at it. But um, yeah, it's, it's another one that I think, you know, last season people were clamoring for him to get in the squad when we were, you know, looking for goals and, Oh, you need, you know, to get, need to get Jordan Alibi Smith in. He's 18. He can do it. If we're getting, you know, 18 year olds in the England squad, why can't we have Jordan playing for us? It's like, well, come on, let's be serious. And, you know, I think when you said earlier about you putting too much faith in them and you're overhyping them and, you know, you, you're kind of buying into it a little bit too much. I think possibly Jordan was um, a victim of that. And um, yeah, I, I don't think he's got a new club. I think the option is just, you know, the, the, the wording is that he's left the club by mutual consent to pursue other avenues or pursue other, um, and pursue other, look for another club or something. But it's, um are we surprised by Jordan leaving? No, I don't even think there's really been the air of secrecy. Um, I think, you know, he was away on loan twice last season uh, at Boston and at Gainsborough. They were not, that was an opportunity for him to show what he can do. Uh, and he didn't. And I think when you look at Alex Bradley, for instance, who went out on loan in the national league and has come back and has been around the first team squad, um, you know, not a major part of it. But Alex Bradley did that because he went to Harrogate and he played well and he came back with good reports. Jordan's been to Gainsborough and Boston. Um, and whether the reports were good or not, I don't know. But he didn't massively impress. I think people say Jordan Adebayo Smith can do it because he scored a couple of goals in a friendly. Um, but, you know, there was always this misconception that he was a nine and a centre forward. And I think he was actually more of a winger. And I also think that when you look at the pre-season friendly that he came on in, which I think was Scunthorpe, where the, the game that we, we put four away, there was yes. one moment where he burst over the halfway line and just overran the ball. And I, at the minute I saw him do that, I personally thought, you know what, that's the end of Jordan for us. And that's I don't want to be harsh to him. I'm sure that, again, he could be somebody that could have a half-decent career. Um, but I don't think... If we were still in League Two, potentially, I think we may have hung on to him, loaned him out to National League North, something like that. But, you know, when you're doing that, you've got to think about the wages. You've got to think about all that sort of stuff. And it hasn't surprised me one bit. I think the club have tried to be fair with it. 
in giving him the opportunity to go on trial at teams. I think he's had six trials. Mm, yeah. Um, but, you know, he can't leave the club now if he was still at the club. Mean, he can't now because he's gone. But um, <laughs> if it was, if he was still with us now he couldn't leave the club for a trial and then sign for somebody else so you know, with his career in mind I think we've been really fair with him in that we've given him right the way up till the door is just about to close and then we've slipped him whatever he needs to leave you know to, to set himself up and out the door he goes so wouldn't surprise me to see him turn up in the National League or the National League North um, and who knows you know he might be like who was the, the boy that always stands out for me Tishmanga um, who was a, a Boston and kind of you know slipped into non-league, smashed it for Oxford City, I think, and recently signed for somebody, I can't think who. He could do that. He could mm. slip into non-league and bounce back again. But I don't think there was ever a chance that uh, Jordan Adebayo-Smith was going to be in a Michael Appleton team, ever. Yeah, no, that's... that's Yeah, couldn't couldn't have put it better. Um, but it's uh, it, it's it's just one of those, I think, you know, ultimately we've, we've got players that do fit Michael's mould at this point, And I think... My my worry was that, you know, we, we had these players that were marked as a big prospect, um, particularly with Ellis. And it, it's like they like you say, they haven't they haven't done it to the level that I think Michael would have wanted or, you know, the, the club would have wanted at this point. And you can argue with Ellis that, well, he was almost there with you know being in the in and around the first team. But I mean, I think the fact that he was offered a contract before COVID hit. And then it kind of, in hindsight, came down a little bit because he didn't really have too much to negotiate with. And, you know, given the situation with the club um, and the finances, um, that, that sort of sealed it. But ultimately, um, we, you know, the, this whole idea and the, the business model that we've got going forward of having young players brought in that we can then develop and sell on. You look at the squad with the average age that we've got. We have that now. We have those players. Um, and I think, you know, people were already potentially talking about Lewis Monsmer. Um, you know, championship clubs being in, interested in Lewis Monsmer and um really? yeah, there, there was a couple of there was a couple of um a couple of things that I saw and I, I don't know where I saw them, but I know they were talking about um I mentioned it at one point on uh, the EFL on Quest where they said, you know, he might be a player that comes and goes within one transfer window. You think, well that's not going to happen, is it? You know, it's you're not going to have that. He wouldn't have gone now. Um, after a few weeks of the season but um, yeah I think obviously we're going to have you know clubs interested in in the players because we're doing well Um, but we've got the players that I think um, Michael possibly was was looking at in that term you know in terms of that business model so letting Ellis and Jordan go particularly it doesn't feel like quite as big a gut punch as it might have done you know six six to eight months ago maybe um I say six to eight months ago, like it was last season, uh, you know, sorry, last year. But of course, we're in October now and time is meaningless. Um, but uh, yeah, it's best of luck, I guess, to all of them. Um, so you wanted to talk about a couple of other teams today, didn't you? Yeah, well, obviously it's been transfer deadline day. And because we specifically waited to work Friday to record the pod <laughs> for no other reason, I thought it would be important to pick up on some of the transfer business that has happened. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I wanted to uh, juxtapose two clubs. Ooh, I'm pleased I've got that word in. Um, Blackpool and Charlton, um, because both of them have been busy in the transfer market on deadline day. They've both made two signings. 
And yeah, I think there are two types of club. In fact, Charlton signed four because they signed two yesterday, I think, as well. Um, but I think there are two types of club that make or that do lots of business on deadline day. There are those that have started the season in a certain manner and have actually gone, oh, things aren't working out here. Let's panic a little bit. And then there are those that you know, are either still going through a transition or, or whatever for any reason. So you've got Charlton who have signed Andrew Shinney and Paul Smith. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're um, both, I think, on loan. Um, Smith certainly is from QPR. I think I might be wrong with Shinny Luton, potentially something like that. Um, but they've done quite a bit of business. Like I said, when we played Charlton, it was a great time to play them. And I stand by that now because mm-hmm. I think they've done some really solid business. Um, they made a couple of signings yesterday. Oz Tuma, who I thought was one of their um, best players, he's gone out to Bristol Rovers. Um, so again, I think he's he's a potentially uh, going to be a great player for Bristol Rovers. But Charlton's business has been extensive, and I think that that's a reflection of what we were saying on the pod when we came to play them. That it was a great time to play and beat them. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I confidently predict Charlton will be in and around the top four at the end of the season, and I think their business proves that. I think when you look at Blackpool, uh, they've signed Kenny Dougal today and Ben Woodburn. Now Ben Woodburn is an interesting signing. Um, he currently holds the record as Liverpool's youngest ever goal scorer. He scored against Leeds in the EFL uh, Cup a few years ago when he was 16. And uh, two seasons ago, he was this massive player that everybody was really excited to see where he went. He went to Sheffield United, played three or four times, and they sent him back. Uh, he was at Oxford last year. He had a decent impact early doors, picked up an injury, spent most of the season out, came back. But he's really in last chance saloon. Um, and I can see why Blackpool have got him. Neil Critchley will know him from the under-23s. Mm-hmm. But when you think of the transfer business that Blackpool already did, that we spoke about um, kind of last when we played them, and there was there was CJ Hamilton on one wing, they've got Sully Kaikai, uh, they've got a couple of other lads that they signed as well. Mm-hmm. For me, they've basically said, things aren't going how we wanted to let's bring in somebody else with Kenny Dougal he's not been signed on loan he's not been signed from any other club and that surprises me as well because he's a free agent to kind of rush that through on deadline day Mm. um, is interesting he's a central midfielder again I thought they had a decent central midfield I thought Blackpool had a decent squad and I'm beginning to wonder now about my prediction for Blackpool and for Critchley doing well um, because They've had a bad start, and it's easy to say that sort of thing when, when you know, you look at the league table. Oh, they haven't done well. Maybe I was wrong, um, but I think that their transfer business all hints perhaps um, that Critchley might not be adapting to senior football management as well as as an under twenty three manager, um, or as good as he was an under twenty three manager at Liverpool. So mm. that's interesting. Uh, two other teams to pick up on. I think Doncaster are one to pick up on. They've signed Matt Smith on loan from um, Manchester City who has been a, a Welsh international, I believe, uh, and Josh Sims from Southampton. Now, Josh Sims is a classic example. When I was talking earlier about Robbie Gotts and being incredibly obstinate after you said that he was exciting and I was trying to argue that he wasn't when I think he is, <laughs> Josh Sims is uh, the dead opposite of that because Josh Sims has played for Southampton in the Premier League 20 times. Uh, he's been on loan at Reading. He's been on pl- loan at New York Red Bulls. So if you think about the teams he's been with, you could go, that's an exciting signing. Lad's 23 years old. He's an attacker. He's played 58 games and he scored one goal. And wow. <laughs> if, you're, if you're a striker, if you're an attacker, and I think he's a winger, I don't want to be overly harsh on him, but do you know what? If, you're, if you sign for a club and you've got 58 games and one goal, the first thing that fans are going to say is, it's got a crap record. 
But when you look at the teams he's played 20 times in the Premier League, he's 23. He's played for New York Red Bulls. He scored his one goal in the MLS playoff final or semi-final against Philadelphia Union. So what you've got here, actually, he's a really excited player where the stats and the figures don't add up. I actually think he's going to do really well at Doncaster. Um, Doncaster are a side I thought might struggle this season. I'm looking at their side. I'm looking at the players that they've brought in, like Tyrese John-Jules. They've hung on, I believe, to Ben Whiteman. They've got a really good squad. The problem that they've got is longevity because their best players are lone players, mm. bar one. Uh, and the final one I'm going to talk about, and I'm, there'll be a reason for this, you'll see, because it all moves the podcast on nicely, is <laughs> Fleetwood. <laughs> because Fleetwood have signed three defenders over the course of the last 24 hours. They signed... Um, uh, a lad from Stoke, Tom Edwards, who came in at right back. He's on a season-long loan. He made 51 appearances uh, in the championship for Stoke. So, you know, I mean, that's that's huge, I think, to be honest, for a 21-year-old right back. I think he's a really interesting signing. He's kind of, um, is he comparable to Ioma? I don't know. He's two years further on. He's got more senior experience, probably not the the um the England experience but really interesting signing today they then signed Charlie Mulgrew now he's kind of 34 I think but Scotland international you're a huge player for Black Blackburn at one time mm. I remember when Scott Wharton came in and played for us and I was chatting to Scott about um players that he played with and he said you know you've got Charlie Mulgrew who what better role model could you want he Mulgrew could be a big, big signing for Fleetwood. Uh, and then they've also signed one player who we will know all about, um, and that's Callum Connolly as well. Mm. So Callum Connolly from Everton has now gone back on a season-long loan to Fleetwood as well. So they've really strengthened their defensive options. That could work in our favour, because if Joey Barton chooses to play two of them tomorrow, they've all signed today or yesterday, there might be a lack of cohesion, potentially. Who knows? Um but again, I think Fleetwood are really going for it as well, aren't they? So that their business has particularly impressed me. Uh, and a brief word about Portsmouth, who have signed nobody. Um, now, mm. Portsmouth fans, they're not happy at that, about that at all. And I personally never jack it until December. Okay. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised on that, to be honest. Um, the, I, I wasn't aware that Portsmouth hadn't signed anybody. That's... Well, not today they haven't. Right, okay. Yeah, I'm not uh, saying I'm not saying they've never signed anybody, um, <laughs> but I know that they were after a striker. I mean, bear in mind Portsmouth are actually ninth; they've got eight eight points from five games, so they're not in a terrible place. Mm. Um, but you know, they, just looking back, they signed a lad on loan on the 23rd of September, a defender. Um, but other than that, midfield Jacobs joins on the 14th. But they've not made a, a lot of signings. They needed, in their opinion, they needed a striker, which is mm. bizarre for me because they've got John Marquis, Marcus Harness and Ronan Curtis. And if you're a League One club and you've got those three and you can't score more goals than 70% of the division, then it ain't the players that are the problem. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's fair. So, um, But it's good that you started talking about Fleetwood, Gary, because, ha-ha, um, yeah, obviously we're away at Fleetwood on Saturday or tomorrow as it's known um today as you're probably listening <laughs> yeah um i i was gonna say i'll try and get the uh the pod you know we're recording and uh, i was gonna try and get it out tonight but uh i don't know if i will but either way um yeah so fleetwood um turned around a bit of a 
bit of a bad run last week and thumped Hull 4-1, which was um, a result I don't really think anybody saw coming. Um, and you're going to turn around and say, well, actually, I did see it coming. And yeah, but um, yeah, it, it was a, it was a bit of a surprising result, but it was one that I think Fleetwood were probably threatening. Um, it's just whether they can, you know, whether they're going to be vulnerable from last week and say, you know, be a bit overconfident or whether they're going to be wary, I guess, or, you know, whether they're going to be uh, on a bit of a roll from it. So um, I'm not too sure what to expect. Uh, so what, what do you what do you see, guys? Well, one thing that I would pick up on is that they um, toyed earlier in the season with a with like a four two three one or a four one four one, depending on how you want to describe it. Um, which clearly didn't work. They were beaten at home by uh, Rochdale and Wimbledon, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but they went to a four-three-three. I'll be honest, I didn't see them thumping Hull. Um, I did have that down as a Hull win, but I did have Fleetwood as being amongst the promotion contenders. So I do think I do think that their turnaround was always going to happen. I mean, their transfer business has been impressive. Another player that they picked up. Um, couple of weeks ago now which always I wouldn't have spoken about is Barry McKay Now McKay mm-hmm. didn't play at the weekend but he kind of plays on the left flank um been at Nottingham Forest and Rangers you know a player that shouldn't really be in the reach of a team that have less than 3,000 average home supporters but is uh, because they are mercilessly funded by um, a rich benefactor and treated as a plaything. um I think when you look at their squad though you know I'd, I'd bitterness and kind of or fake bitterness put to one side uh oh, and by the way andy pilly backed project big picture um but you know so did dale vince so that tells you everything you need to know about the class um yeah <laughs> yeah when you look at their squad for me I, i'm going to be brutally honest and i know people call me a pessimist i think we're going to get beat tomorrow um because i think fleetwood are about to hit uh the form that they so richly should given their players. I mean, they've got a midfielder, Glenn Whelan, who was obviously at Stoke for many years. Paul Coots, uh, Paul Coots, Coutts, Coutts, we'll call him Coutts, um, was at Sheffield United for a, a long while. Really, really good player. They've got Callum Camps in the middle of the park, who I've spoken about on here before. He was uh, formerly at Rochdale. On the wing, um, the lad that absolutely tore Hall a new one was Harvey Saunders. Really, really quick. I think that's where the problem could come. He plays on the right wing. Our left back needs to be bang on it. We know Teo wasn't. We saw Sean Rowan maybe struggle with against CJ Hamilton. Um, so I'm hoping Max Melbourne's fit. But I think that that could be a real pressure point for us. You know, they've got Chad Evans up top. Uh, they've got Paddy Madden, uh, who can play up there as well. They've, they've got uh, Danny Andrew at left back, his, his quality. They've, they've got so many good footballers. And, you know, and now with um, with potentially Mulgrew, Connolly. I mean, Connolly, you know, I say that it could disrupt the defence, but Callum Connolly was there last season on loan anyway. So there's a degree of kind of mm, consistency there that in the same way that Liam Bridcott offered consistency when we signed him back. Hmm. Uh, what I would say about Fleetwood is that they have outscored their XG this season. Um, so their XG is 1.68, but they've scored 2.1 goals per game. So they're, they're scoring um, more goals than they should. Uh, their XG on conceding is around 1.56 a game and they concede 1.6 goals a game. So again, it's um, it's there or thereabouts. I just 
I'll be honest, I, I, I'm not writing tomorrow off because I would never do, do that with Lincoln or today off or whatever, whenever you're listening to it yesterday, if you listen to it on Sunday. Um, but I genuinely think this is going to be a very, very tough afternoon for Lincoln City. Mm. Yeah, I've, I've got a, I've got a feeling you could be right on that one. I think, um, I, d- I don't think there's going to necessarily be a hangover from from the Bristol Rovers game because I think um, you know Harry made it pretty clear in your uh, in the interview that you did with him and said that uh, I think they're learning how to handle defeats in you know in, in a bit of a more mature way. Um, but I like you say I, I do think having seen the way that they basically tore Hull apart. Um, I think we're probably going to be in for a bit of a, like you say, a bit of a ragged afternoon. But um, hmm, it would certainly Do be. You a... know that we've only ever played Fleetwood on three occasions, and as things stand, it is dead even. One one drawn, one lost, one scored six. Uh, no, they've only scored five. Oh, we've only scored five. Yeah, so five goals scored, five goals conceded. Wow. And the last time we played Fleetwood at their place, do you know who scored twice for Fleetwood? No. Now, I know because obviously you you kind of I know that you weren't tight of the, you're following the National League that closely. So I know right now there are people listening in their cars or on the toilet or wherever they listen to absolutely screaming down the uh, down the uh, um, computer. And do you know what they're screaming? No. It's Jamie Vardy. Oh, uh, of course it was, yeah. He scored yeah. twice. Frustratingly, we were 2-0 up against the team that went on to be promoted. Um, but just listen to this. And do you know what? This, I'm even going to have to double-check one of these. This was the Lincoln lineup the last time we went to Fleetwood. Because bear in mind, last year, it was one of the games that was cancelled. Yeah, I thought that was his name. Where did he play? Telford later. Okay, Joe Anion in goal. Carlton Watson, John Nutter, or Joe, was it John Nutter? Josh Gowling, Paul Robson at the back. Paul Robson. I know if Kate Jackson's listening, literally, it will just be a nightmare. <laughs> Midfield, Alan Power, great player. Danny Lloyd, good player. Peter Bohr, gash. Tyrone Thompson, awful. Jamie Taylor, good player. Jefferson Louis. More clubs than the Biscuit Isle as there's that boy. And on the bench, there's a, a Rob a Robbie Williams came on for us. Um, not the Robbie Williams, obviously, just a taller, rubbish one. John Francois Christophe, Jake Sheridan, who was actually voted by some people as one of our best players of a decade. And that's telling you something because he was a trier and he was a lovely, honest lad. But do you know what? If I had a Lincoln shirt on, I'd be a trier and I'd probably be a damn sight nicer than I am on the podcast. But it wouldn't make me one of the best players of a generation. Just looking at that, honestly, Ben. Oh, my Lord. It shows you how far. Yeah, it just shows you how far we've come. That was April 2012. Bloody hell. Wow. uh, Yeah, I mean, it's... um... (sighs) Yeah, going to be a tough afternoon. Um, I'm not sure... I, I daren't ask for a prediction because I don't really want to give one myself, to be honest. But there we oh, go. I'll give a prediction. I, I, think we'll, I think we'll get beat. I think it'll be two-one. Okay, I'll uh, I'll go with a point. I'll I'll be slightly more positive than you. I'll, I'll say two-all. Why not? Um, I think yeah, it's going to be difficult, but uh, it'll be an interesting one to see. Um, right, probably a good spot to to wrap up unless we want to have a quick 
and it will be quick uh quick matter about the whole thing about project big picture and and how it got rejected and how seemingly we've had the the follow-up offer rejected as well by the uh, the efl clubs um no, we can't do that just this quickly can we okay no not really but you, uh, if you want to have a say you can i mean i i made my feelings quite clear in a video um i i've yet to watch that but i understand it got a bit ranty yes it did yeah. <laughs> i didn't mean it to either but no i mean it's it, somebody asked me about it and I, I sort of said yeah you know it's somebody i, I play occasionally I play uh fifa with a bunch of uh, premier league fans um you know they all live near their clubs so it's not you know as glory hunting as it would be um but there was um you know, they asked me, well, what do you think about it? You know, this this whole rescue deal. I said, well, it's not really a rescue deal, is it? It's kind of a it's a power grab by the clubs at the top to kind of squeeze the life out of everything else underneath it. And it's it was ridiculous. Like, I'm glad it's not going to go through. I don't know what the follow up um, deal. I don't know the full details on that. I've not had a chance to look, but um I'm just really glad that, that that initial one hasn't gone through because it, it would have been severely damaging to English football. Um, but it does sound like there is going to be some some progress on, you know, some sort of rescue package or, you know, goodwill payment or whatever you want to call it um, to essentially everyone that's not in the champ- uh, not in the Premier League. So whether that means that championship clubs are going to get the same sort of slice of the pie as, as somebody down at the bottom of league two i don't know i severely doubt it but um yeah gonna be uh gonna be keeping a close eye on that one i think um it's ridiculous that championship clubs are being lumped in with league one and league two as part of a rescue package yeah utterly ridiculous yeah uh, with the money that some of them are spending and uh, you know you've got a couple of million quid being paid out by qpr for players and then they want they want they want their share utterly rubbish and yeah. i just i can't even begin I've, as far as i'm concerned the championship is almost like a premier league too mm-hmm. um you know without the b teams i just I, I, it, it baffles me and i know that there's the odd um kind of exception in the likes of wickham for instance but mm-hmm. there is absolutely nothing that directly correlates the championship to, to clubs in league two it's a different world altogether yeah, yeah, hundred percent. And you know, you you wrote in uh, on the on the blog about um, what was it? You see this the ceiling for Lincoln City and the the you know the ultimate ambition to end up in the Championship. And I think you're hundred percent right. Like it's it's not the Premier League is completely out of uh, the reach of anybody that's not at this point bankrolled by uh, you know a, a billionaire from Russia or wherever. You know, it's it's not it's not a realistic goal unfortunately um but like you say i don't think we could do that justice and i think ultimately if we did carry on you know for for long as long as we needed to i think it might get a little bit on the angry side but uh um i think that's like i say probably a good spot to wrap up uh, obviously next week is the I've big got one some, i've got oh, some go on. other business go on go for it got some many other business i'm pleased i remembered actually because usually i'm crap at this sort of thing uh but i've actually had a tweet or a twitter message rather from mick smith now mick uh, originally lived in bourne um and let's see he lived obviously peterborough territory but his old man was from martin between lincoln and gainsborough went to watch lincoln in 82 83 we lost 3-0 and that was that you know we all, always seem to start in misery as lincoln fans now he's been in living in italy for 20 years now 
uh, and he started a Facebook group called Italian Imps. And sparked by Ben's conversation about the top 10 international countries, uh, he's desperate to get, well, he's not desperate, that sounds rather rather aggressive, and um, he would very much like to get in touch with other Italian Imps. Okay. Um, so if they were to search for Italian Imps on Facebook, uh, there is a group for you all, or both, because I know there's at least one in Bari. Um, <laughs> so um, there is a group for you to get together, have a chat, that sort of thing. Now, he tells a really nice story here. He says, I'm a state English te- state school English teacher, and a new class of mine a couple of weeks ago asked me which team I support. So I tried to explain the concept of Lincoln City FC. And I think that in itself is something I would love to have seen. The concept uh, English- of Lincoln City. I love exactly. it. Exactly. And I would love to... The- to explain that to Italian uh, children, that would have. That, uh, Nick, if you're listening, can you go back over that, please, uh, and record it for us, and we'll play it on the pod. <laughs> um, I also mentioned we were playing Liverpool the following Thursday. One of the lads, Nicolo, Nicolo, turned into watch and has tuned into watch rather, and has since caught all of our games via uh, Stream Insight, even the trophy game versus Mansfield. He loves our style of play and says his favourite player is Alex Palmer. I just hope the lad realises he still needs to study and do well in his tests if he wants to have a good mark on his report. Mick, <laughs> mark the lad up. Yeah, absolutely. Mark the lad up. Give if him you want, send more. me his English tests and I'll fail them for him. <laughs> Fantastic stuff. Well, that's always good to hear. And I, I just love the idea of having to explain the concept of Lincoln City. Such a great phrase. Love it. And uh, they do have a decent lower league system in Italy. I don't know if it's as well supported. No. Um, I mean, I know Italian football is quite different because there's quite fervent support at the top, and I don't think they're quite as bastardised as our Premier League. Um, I mean, I've been to Bari Stadium. I didn't actually get to go in, but I know that it's it's you know, obviously it was made for the World Cup in 1990. And Mariano, who um, is my married to my cousin, and we kind of he was a Bari fan, uh, and I was a Lincoln fan, and we exchanged shirts, and he came to Lincoln games and stuff. He said that when you're in bar in the Bari Stadium and you can drink within sight of the pitch for as long as you want. Um, but when they were doing well, all the fans would bounce up and down. And because of the construction of the stand, you would feel the whole concrete stand moving up and down under your feet. Oh, Jesus Christ. Because, I mean, they would again, they would regularly, when they were doing well, get 30,000, 40,000 fans. Um, and it, you know, it's, it's a more authentic football experience, I think, in the um, in certain parts of Italy. Mm. Um you know, every Italian side I have ever, ever claimed to follow tended to do really badly. I went hmm. over to Italy on holiday and decided I was going to follow Siena and they went broke. Uh, and I think I followed, uh, followed Fiorentina for a bit and they got in match fixing trouble, I think it was. And I then decided Pisa because they were all in Tuscany and they dropped down to C3. Then I supported Bari because I went down Bari and then they were relegated all the way down for financial irregularities as well. So <laughs> basically, if you want an Italian club to do badly, give us a shout, send me a shirt um, and I'll get all over <laughs> it. Oh, man, that's brilliant. Um one thing I did want to actually shout out, um, I've not, you know, this isn't a sponsored shout or anything like that, but there's a guy on Twitter who I'm just trying to pull up now. Um, it's, I think it's a fairly young lad um, and he's started up his own little business um, selling random football shirts. Um, it's like a, uh, it's kind of like a, uh, what is it? A mystery box. Mystery box. Yeah, that's the one. So, you, you know, that, yeah, yeah you, you pay, you don't know. um you don't know what what shirt you're going to get um and then it just arrives in the post in a box uh, which i think 
is a fantastic little idea, and I'm stalling because I can't find the guy's bloody Twitter handle. Well, while um, you're looking, I can just say, I think when I was younger, I would have been all over that because I, I had some proper random shirts, um, like the Yugoslavia 1992 home shirt. Uh, it might have been earlier, actually. It might have been 88 home shirt. I mm. had uh, the Inter Milan third shirt where the sponsor was Fitgar. F-I-T-G-A-R. Oh, wow. So I used to pretend that it should have said Fit Gary and the Y had dropped <laughs> off it. I had a That's Newcastle amazing. Newcastle shirt that had uh, the blue star on it, the, which was, I think, Newcastle blue star was a, a beer of some description. I had a West Ham away shirt with BAC windows. But now I think as a 40 year old, I, I, I'm a massive fan of kits if they're Lincolns. I know what I like. But I would never wear a kit of another club never yeah so the, the, the twitter handle is at surprise shirts and um i'm fairly certain he's it's it's a local um it's a local uh local lad um but yeah it's a shirt mystery box 32 pound for all sizes training shirt mystery box 18 for all sizes um and all the kits are brand new so um yeah you'd kind of buy it and they put like a little history of the club and stuff in the box when you get it and uh yeah it sounds like a really good idea and like i say i'm fairly sure it's a, a young lad that's done it all so fair play congrats to him but uh right i think that is probably a good spot to wrap it up as i said um next week is number 100 which is a number that if i'm honest probably didn't think we'd get to um i thought you'd have killed me by some point at that point by then um, a murderer ben <laughs> well verbally at least um but uh yeah we, we're obviously going to be doing i think we'll be doing it live um via facebook you're probably the one to ask about that one so i'm just looking at surprise shirts and 23 hours ago he's retweeted one of the young lady where i saw just... that one yeah just one of the surprise shirts and it's um yeah it sidetracked me a little bit sorry ben what are we talking about <laughs> boobs gary no um the, <laughs> um next week uh, are we live on <clears throat> yeah so we'll be going live on uh stacy west facebook uh and youtube mm-hmm. we'll be on the youtube uh i think we're aiming to go live at seven o'clock so the votes have come in um we had, I think, 130-odd players in the build-up to next week. If I get time, I'll be talking about the 30 that are outside the top 100. The plan is that we will spend the first half hour or so talking about 100 to 75. So I may let you know who's in that, Ben. Might help. So you can prepare. <laughs> um, I'll read it. Yeah, well, we can pick a couple of players each who yep. uh, who we want to talk about and we'll run down. Uh, then from 25 to 1, the plan is that we talk through each one. I've already lined up a couple of live guests, so there will be some listeners who will be joining us on the video stream, um, predominantly because I didn't feel Ben and I could do justice for players um, before our time. Uh, so I've got somebody who, I mean, the players go back, if I'm honest, right away through to the, the 50s. So we've got a good spread. And in the top 25, there's certainly good representation from from sort of 76 through to 83. Um, so we're going to have some people on who saw those players play. I have already conducted one player interview. Um, and when I say that, it's only going to be a little th- sort of four or five minute tops Um 
uh, audio that we can play over of the player talking about his Lincoln career, his potentially the players he's played with, whatever we get out of them. Only going to be very kind of short, and then we'll be able to talk about that. Uh, I am lining up, and if it all comes off, I believe Ben has got one to do from Keith's playoff era. Mm-hmm. Don't give anything away. I have got one to do from Keith's playoff era, potentially two. Uh, I've certainly got one from the early 80s who I'm just trying to nail down now, who's going to be talking a very little bit as well. These aren't going to be live. We're going to pre-record these and probably set them on a little short video to clips and they'll be played as well. Really, really keen that you come on uh, live and watch along as you do the normal live videos. This is only going to this is going to be more of a success rather if you guys are there and you can kind of put your comments in about the players and we can discuss your memories as well. I mean, I think we're probably aiming for it might be a couple of hours um, mm. by the time that we do it. So if I get a couple of videos, because if one of us needs to go for a wee, we're going to need to pad it out a little bit, aren't we? Then? <laughs> yeah, something like that. Or uh, so uh, hope, I'm sure we'll, we'll probably have Charlie and Ellie on as well. They'll probably yes. join us live. Yeah, more than likely, more than likely. Um, I'm not going to do it in the shed either because it gets chilly in there at night and I'm much comfier on my computer chair. Um, so there we go. So, yeah, that's that. So hopefully that should be quite exciting and something that I'm really looking forward to. I'm looking forward to it being over because then I don't have to worry about making phone calls and preparing things. <laughs> and then we can start on episode 101. Bloody hell. Is that like Room 101? <laughs> podcast 101 where we choose we should podcasts do that, yeah. that we don't like. We should do, but honestly, we should do episode 101 is where we can put things from Lincoln City's past and present that we don't like in uh, in podcast 101. We'll do that. That'll be, <laughs> there we go. Normal. So, so next week, we probably won't release one that talks about the games. So we, we might have to think about that. I mean, unless unless it is a spectacular game on Saturday, in which case we'll probably talk about it before we go into the 100 players very briefly, I guess. But yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll still be recording at half 11 at that rate because <laughs> there's a game on Tuesday let's not forget as well Plymouth oh, Argyle Christ, yeah, I forgot about that bugger well okay we can't, um, do, we can't do a preview for it because otherwise episode 100 would be episode 101 shit didn't think about this at all did we no we should have <laughs> uh, yeah anyway there we go yeah we'll so. talk about that off air alright guys well join us next week 7 o'clock um, on Facebook and YouTube and we'll have a live podcast, not with the uh, not with the boss this week, I don't think. But uh... oh yeah, I'll be there. Wee! All right, see you later. Yeah, Ninetieth minute, and all your mates around watching the imps on iFollow. You've got your McNugget share boxes on the go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping, but then you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the Talk Sport Fan Network. Talk Sport. Powered by fans.